You're listening to the Go For Growth Podcast with Doug Hall. Hello, everybody. It's Doug Hall, and welcome to this really great podcast episode of Doug Hall's Go For Growth. My guest today is Jason Blummer. Jason is an overachiever. I know him, and I know he does is an overachiever because he has not one but two businesses. And part of my questions for Jason today revolve around balancing the demands of two growing businesses uh, in which he serves as a trusted advisor and he serves other trusted advisors of trusted advisors to owners of businesses. So we're talking about an environment with small and medium business. We're talking about an environment where Jason's conceived of the business and grown it himself. And I'm delighted to have him on the podcast today to tell us about his business, some insights, some growth tips, and uh, just talk a little bit. So Jason, welcome to Go for Growth. All right. Doug, thanks for having me on the show. This is going to be a lot of fun. I love to talk about growth. So this is a perfect topic. Yay. So uh, tell us where in the world you are today and how you got started in this business. And and we're folks, we're doing this at the time of the COVID-19 coronavirus, which we're all kind of tired of by now. But yeah. <laughs> uh, this this is right. So throw a little bit of that Big commentary time. in there, too. But I want to make sure this podcast is both timely and timeless. So again, tell us where you're from, a little bit about your business, how you got it started. And then I tease yeah. everybody with the two businesses. So you probably have to tell a second story too. So Jason, take okay. it. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Um, so I became an entrepreneur in 2003 after having worked for other people and found out I was not a very good employee. So um, <laughs> that's often <laughs> true. And I, I came to work with my dad in his firm in 2003 and started leading that firm. And, you know, what kind of business, what yeah, kind of business was, was your dad in? So, so that's, that was the CPA firm that I lead okay. now, Blummer CPAs. And so my dad used to be a partner of mine and he's 75. He's retired now and retired Good. many years ago. Um, so he let me, he let me run it the way I wanted. And I was in the throes of entrepreneurship and learned, you know, messed up so many things that, that kind of story, uh, lost money, blah, blah, blah. Oh, <laughs> 2000. Yeah. <laughs> so as I was learning things, um, I was learning how to run a firm better, more, more innovatively, creatively, how to grow it. Um, so in 2010, started the second business, which is uh, Thrival. Okay. And that's the opposite of the word survival. So we made it up and the URL was available. So we did it. And then we, we went into teaching other firms the things I was learning on how to run their businesses better, how to be better entrepreneurs as accounting firm owners. Okay. And, and so then around, when was it, 2012, we turned our firm virtual. So we used to be brick and mortar in Greenville, South Carolina. And then we okay. turned it virtual around 2012. Thrival was already a virtual community at that point. It had started in 2010. And so we were off to the races with these things. And so I kind of dove into, in my firm, I was diving into consulting and teaching, helping clients grow uh, as I struggled to even learn how to do that. And then dove into the leading this community and didn't really know what leading a community would mean and how to teach other people to do it. Dove right into teaching, set up some you know podcasts back in 2010 that we still lead and run today and set up coaching courses just dove, you know, headlong right into the deep end of teaching and being an educator 
when at the same time struggling to even learn these concepts on my own. So that um, that kind of messed with my head and actually led to a point where I did. It did blow my life up, actually. So I did have kind of a breakdown moment, which I guess a lot of entrepreneurs do. Yeah. Um, and really just it was really scary. Uh, went into a process of shutting some of these businesses down, telling everybody I can't handle it anymore. You know, and I think we're going to talk about this later, but I learned there were some missing components to my business. I'm a visionary off the charts. And so I'm just dumping ideas into this company about as fast as I can do it. Both companies, man, no structure, uh, no integration, no movement on the inside will blow your life to smithereens. <laughs> so, right. Cause you, you kept not- coming, you kept coming up with demands and your team oh. wasn't executing, right? Oh yeah. And I didn't, you know, I was, learning how to lead a team too at that time. So he, you know, started that process right about that time. Somebody uh, named Julie who had been working with me, which I think Doug, you probably met too or saw at, at a conference uh, where we met you. I did. Yes. I Um, remember her. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, she was working for me at the time and, and really, I mean, she was an obvious integrator, right? She could do all these structural things that I didn't understand. She found EOS the book traction years before that and said, we got, we've got to put this system into our two businesses. And at that time I made her a partner. Um, and that was about five years ago. And so went okay. through the process of really putting structure into place those first few years. And, you know, fast forward to today, it worked. We're doing a semblance of EOS. We kind of made it our own and then actually we do so much consulting now, my partner and I, we've had to build our own growth structural models to teach people how to run and lead services-based companies, creative services-based companies, which apply to both of our companies, Lumber okay. CPAs, the creative digital design agencies, and creative accounting firms. They're really both services companies that right. sell their knowledge, so to speak. So, um, you know, so there's structure required for those kind of creative services companies. So here we are today. Now we've got it all uh, in order, and now and then now we run into the pandemic. Yes, we do. <laughs> so, so here we are. I don't know, Doug, if you want me to keep going, but so well, now now we're into a pandemic. So yeah, so hold hold that thought there, Jason, because you went through over a decade, you know, well over a decade, getting close to two decades of growth and struggle and learning and uh, lessons learned and. And opportunities exploited and opportunities missed. So, when you when you think it back about sort of the mo- one of the powerful things you said that I want to tease out a little bit is you characterize yourself as a visionary. Tell yeah. me a little bit more about that, so listeners can s- hear that and maybe self-identify. What? How did you come to yeah. that realization? And what does it mean to you? Yeah, yeah. Well. It, you know, it's a label I didn't know I had, you know, basically what traction and these books like Rocket Fuel, some of the component books that Gino Wickman has written, uh, give you a label. So that kind of helps you. Uh-huh. Um, so I didn't I didn't realize that I was what would be called a visionary. And that's what Gino Wickman calls it. Other people may call it something different, but it really was. It's an unending drive for creativity. Just lots of new ideas are really yep hard to keep inside of you. You kind of can't help but produce those, you know, uh, there's a, and there's a lot of uh, struggles with those people too. So they really are polar people. They can be really emotional. They can get out of balance in their life super fast. Uh, All these things are are true about me. They can really 
some of the emotional struggles of getting out of balance really can weigh heavy. It can crush them. They can get depressed. You know, they they struggle with a lot of those things in life. And there's, a, you know, just like all of life, there's a counterbalance to that. Yes. And it's, it's what Gina Whitman, as you know, Doug calls an integrator. And that per, that person is extremely the opposite of a visionary and loves the other parts of they don't they don't love necessarily all of the ideas or producing them. They love putting them in order and rolling them inside into a company. So that label just helped me know, oh, that's what I am. And even the first year into our partnership, uh, mine and Julie's partnership, you know, we struggled as partners, which a lot of people do. Right. Uh, and what we struggled with was the the extreme difference that we are together and the tension that that creates. Right. It, it creates right. a tension. It actually you learn it's a healthy tension. And then we read Rocket Fuel, which was an out, uh, a year into our partnership. And we went, oh, <laughs> that's what really <laughs> now, we us. We're like, yeah, right. now we know why we're like running into each other all the time. And so then you learn how to stay in your lane and yeah. and you start practicing some healthy behaviors, basically, when you, when you figure that out. And Rocket Fuel is really what tipped us into it as we had already been doing traction. So, yes, yes, yes. Well, that's a, you know, a few people trip across <clears throat> Rocket Fuel before traction, but you, I think you guys got it in the right order. And um, so. Once you and Julie started to click, what did what did that do for you? Where did your feelings and your peace of mind go? And uh, and and what did what did Julie feel? Because because I think you know it's a you use the word partnership. I think that's a pretty fair way to characterize this. That a visionary yeah. has a partner in, but but you're the yeah. owner. You're the boss. So tell us a little bit about how it made you feel as that worked. And how did Julie feel and how does it work today? Yeah. Well, Doug, you consult on this. So, you know, that's the right question to ask. It's like, <laughs> so we didn't skip off into La La Land, right? When no, we figured it was, out it our was a little bit painful, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's, it's like you find out who you are now and then the real work, actually the effective work can begin. You can start doing the things that hmm. are going to work. So, and so she, yeah, we, there's still a lot we didn't know. Now, as you know, Doug, sometimes visionaries are owners and integrator doesn't have to be an owner, but I needed Julie to be an owner. So I okay. I asked her to be an owner with me uh, in both businesses because I needed somebody that that committed and in love with the same things I love. And she definitely was that already. So um, so and I needed a I needed an owner with the teeth of helping me be what we were meant to be. You know, I, a visionary can really easily trump an integrator that works for him. That, that might be an issue. Maybe not for everybody. It may, it may be for me, probably would be for me. So making her the owner, making her an owner was really a good move. And so, yeah, the, you know, the, the main things we struggled with and as a visionary, one thing I really struggled with was the structure that needed to be put in place to run two businesses. And it's an extreme structure. We have a really, really extreme structure that we operate under. Uh, it's a whole calendaring system we actually had to create to get it all done. It, it And it's all comes out of Julie's mind. And it's a brilliant system. We use it to teach people that are scaling fast. It really provides a lot of structure. So fitting me within that structure really messed with my head. It really scared me at first. And one way you want to scare a visionary is uh, 
start saying, I'm going to take away your freedom. If you say that, right. they'll flip out, right? They're just going to go ball. <laughs> that did not feel good, did it? <laughs> no, it's like, that's the thing you do not want to say. Well, Julie wasn't trying to do that. She was like, I want to do, you're telling me you want to run these companies and grow them. Do you want to? Yes. Okay, let's do it. And so she didn't know, but we, we were applying extreme structure, which actually get it. What that does is it gives a visionary the guardrails to drive within. And so then they can drive fast and not wreck and kill themselves, right. you know, right. so it's guardrails are really good. There's, you know, there's restraint to creativity. And if you place, you know, restraint, appropriate restraint within creativity, it really helps you grow and do better things. Now, we don't do all of my ideas because Julie knows we can't push them all through the structure of a company and a team, right? Because right. it has to do that. And so now I have guardrails, but putting that structure in really scared me. Taking It was like taking away my freedom. And she, we fought over that for a number of years. Um, and we pretty much have that down now. And I'm pretty good at that, a lot of that structure, though I still get tripped up on it, you know, mm. per, periodically. So, uh, so that was the hard thing. And she felt she probably, um, she probably didn't understand. She'd never been an entrepreneur or worked, you know, she had come out of homeschool and her kids for 20 years. Uh. <laughs> and so she was coming out of, um, thinking, you know, am, should I be doing this? Am I the best one for this? Why do you want me to be your partner? You know, all the while she's just like one of these extreme brilliant people that like none of this is hard for none of this structure stuff. And so she didn't realize what she was asking me to do. She thought, man, this structure is great. Isn't this fun? Um, and she <laughs> it was scaring always, you to death. Yeah. She'd always run her life that way, which means she had a very effective, efficient life. Yes. Um, and her and her husband, her husband's an engineer. She's like the same. So they're just so good at that in their home yeah. and bring, bring that to me. And I'm like, man, it blew me up out of the sky. Yeah. And so she she probably felt a lot of confusion as to why is this so hard on you? Why are right. you struggling so bad? Isn't this what you wanted? And we had to go through that for a couple of years just to vet out why I was even struggling. Yes. So that's probably what she was feeling and maybe even more extreme things than that. So have you gotten through to a different kind of freedom now as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Okay, so sure. tell, us, tell us about that, because the, the notion of guardrails and, and restraints and constraints sounds negative, but it sounds like it in a way freed you up or channeled you to be more free in a. Yeah. OK, so go with that for a minute. How's that work? Yeah, for sure. Well, and, you know, EOS is that it's like, yes. here's this structure to crazy visionaries. It's actually the thing you've been missing. Right. right. And right. Um, so. That's what it is. So, yeah, the, the freedom now is that um, now when we teach, we teach those stories, right? We're like, we brought restraint to me and it freaked me out. Here's what I thought it was. Here's what I know it is now. We actually teach the stories of restraint is actually the structure you need to grow your company. And so now I'm good at the structure. I'm better at it. I'm not as, you know, it's not innate within me, but no, it is it's not a, natural. It's but. A, no, but I had to learn it, mm -hmm. you know, and Julie had to teach me. Uh, she mm -hmm. really had to teach me and probably uh, and she was always this way, but she had to learn to trust the, the visionary mind, which a lot of times can be it's a very it can be a gut driven thing. It's like 
you know, visionaries are really good at seeing their market, knowing their market, seeing what's coming, changes. Like, you know what? I think we need to start turning in this direction. I'm feeling in a year or two, we're going to need to be ahead of the curve here. And she had to learn to see, to trust that because she needs things that are documented and known. Well, that, that kind of visionary language and pushing and, you know, uh, changing with markets is there's really not a lot of science to that. I mean, you you can get analytics and science, but small businesses don't really have access to a lot of that. So you got the gut of the visionary going, I want to move over here. There's more value there. And I want to kind right. of stop doing this. So she had to learn to trust that while at the same time, and you know, that that's the structure of uh, and that they talk about in rocket fuel is she vetted all of my ideas. She had to learn to vet properly, mm. which was mm. listen challenge but say all right i'm scared and i don't understand like a visionary but let's go i'll go let's go do that together uh, she had to let go and learn to do that which she's very good at now mm-hmm. um, but probably that was very fearful for her was julie the first leader that you hired T- tell us about how your your leadership management has evolved because you got two businesses yeah. so i imagine there's a little difference but you know go down that path where because I think this this essential interaction between you as owner and leader and her as a co-owner and, you know, not founder. So she's second in line. Right. You know, you found a way to respect each other and you're both leading the business, but you're doing different things. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. She was the first. Yeah. The first ever attempt I had made into the foray of sharing some of the responsibilities of leadership with any other person. And now Julie and I have a leadership team of three. Okay. In addition to ourselves in the firm, three others plus you two. Yeah. So us five really. And of course we're just visionary integrator and I'm, my title is CEO. Hers is COO. Okay. So, cause she oversees all operations processes and team and I do, you know, the things visionaries do, selling, market, identification. I do all the teaching and speaking and things like that yep. um, and the ideas, visions, things like that. And so we have three other people that we've added to our leadership team that we needed to do in the past few years. We've done that. Okay. And, you know, those those, you know, that was a process, you know, and it just came about because we're like, uh, even Julie and I can't do all of this as we're growing. You get right. to a point where you you outgrow the visionary integrator as far as the, the how many hands you need to get it all done. Right. And so we reached that point, you know, a few years ago and started the process of implementing a leadership team and learning how to do that. So. So what was and the we, and we what was the biggest challenge of starting that leadership team and kind of getting it to this level? Well. It's a very iterative process. So, uh, you know, probably the hardest part is just getting getting started yeah. and going, I'm going to share the responsibility with somebody else and let them go talk to a client and say stuff and decide things. Yep. And that's just weird, you know, when you get to a point, because when you're when you're putting a leadership team in place, you're probably at some transitionary period in your company where you, you kind of need them sometimes, but not like totally. Yep. So. You, you put them in place. You want them to start practicing, making decisions when a lot of those you could have gone ahead and just made. Even you may still have time to do a lot of that. But a leadership team is an investment now for some hope of a future scaling that you hope to make. And so there's some and and that's really what growth is about. It's a an investment of time and cash or 
uh, resources now for the hope of what it could be later. It's really a bet on the future is what an investment is. And that's what growth is. Right. And that's all you're always making bets. And that's really hard, especially when you bet on a person with a name and you kind of put them in place. You start letting them practice. Well, then you have to learn, well, what are the things I should be telling them or what mm-hmm. did I not tell them? Because you're never going to get it right. Um, and then you start rolling that leadership team into all of these processes of traction. They have to buy in and know it and understand it too. And sometimes they struggle with going, well, I don't want it. Okay. Is this what leadership meant? Cause I don't want to do this. I thought it was something different. So you're teaching them how to be leaders. Yep. And so you go through this process of now teaching another human how to love and care about the things you've always cared about. And that's, that's a process. So did you fail in Choosing any, any, I mean, you, you, you listen, you're yeah. really, you're good and you're lucky because most of the stories I've heard of visionaries takes them two or three attempts to find their integrator. Like they fail two or three times before. So you found Julie pretty much right off. So kudos to well, you and Julie. I mean, that's well, awesome. How about the other, yeah, you know, well, you know what I would say about, about Julie is probably some of the things we've been through, people would have given up for sure. Uh, we, okay, so you guys into, stuck it out. You stuck it out. Yeah. So it see, and that's that's a little bit of a belief. I think I like to challenge people on is finding your integrator is, I don't know. There's some there's some balance to finding somebody that you want, but uh, but finding the person that is right for you, which may not be fully what you want. And okay. Julie and I both battled with. There is a lot about you that I don't like. <laughs> and we stuck it out. We we stuck it out. And so now what what do Julie and I have? We have we have a history together, a past. And so so we have a depth to our relationship that you don't get if you just keep trying different people cuz no integrator is going to be what you think an integrator is going to be. Yeah. There there's going to be tension and sometimes you brace embrace it Sometimes you, I'm not saying you don't need an integrator. Sometimes, sometimes you need to get rid of an integrator. It is. Um, sometimes it's it, the wrong person in that seat. That, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it's, but that's hard. It's hard to identify. Is this the wrong person or am I making a wrong choice by removing right. this integrator? Is it me or is it them? Well, it's always right. both, but is it more me or is it more right. them? <laughs> and that's hard. Now, what I did, right, is I made her an owner. So I kind of, it was, a, a lot, it would have been a little handcuffs on a little bit. Right. I handcuffed myself to her, which looking back was the right thing for me to do now. But of course, looking back, if she was not the right integrator, that would have been devastating. Right. It would have been a mess to get you to extricate yourself. Right. A mess. So, um, so that was hard. You're you're in a professional services environment. So, Mm -hmm. and you had gone virtual already. So some of the risks and some of the things you were encountering would be different than if you had a a 50 person manufacturing company and a lot of brick and mortar. And uh, okay. So I'm not diminishing it, but no, no, that's listen. I don't. Yeah. If, if we had added property and buildings and equipment, yeah, that just, none of those, none of those difficulties were there for us. Thankfully. Mm -hmm. Thankfully. That doesn't diminish the challenge though. Cause I think you're saying what I've heard other visionaries say, which is, this was not an easy thing to no. delegate to delegate this and elevate and get myself in the book. We call Gino calls it letting go of the vine. So the exactly ability, your ability to trust, let go and trust. Yeah. Well, Huge. and it's yeah. And, and that whole letting go of the vine is 
if you'll let go, you're actually going to get the thing you want by letting go, which is yes. that's so counterintuitive it to is. a visionary. They go after stuff and grab things. Yes. <laughs> and hold tight <laughs> and hold tight. Right. And so you're telling a visionary, no, let go. And, you know, things Trust. don't always go perfectly, but things do have to kind of fit into their own model. The, the, they have to fit into a, a model of operation that an integrator's designed, not the visionary. And so you have to let go of your business. And and in a sense, it's got to become its own person. You know, it's like that's shooting bolts through Frankenstein and Frankenstein yeah. now is its own person. And you have yep. to serve that business in the way that it needs you to serve it in the role you you have. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a big transition. I don't know. I don't know that every owner can make that or want to make that transition. Where the, where well, the, no, bus, the business becomes its own thing. Well, and that's why they don't grow, right? Because it, I mean, think about you know an extreme example: Apple. Well, Apple became its own thing. It used, I mean, really, it used to be Steve Jobs, right, in his garage, right? Uh, him and Steve Wozniak. It it was those two. It was really those two people in a garage. Yeah. Well, it, it, I don't know at it, it, what magic point or date it became Apple, but there was a mind shift for sure in the minds of these people where that company now was its own thing. Heck, it became its own thing and fired the founder. Yes. It fired Steve Jobs. So, of course, it was its own thing. It was making its own decisions now. Um, and so businesses have to go through that cycle. If you want a bigger business that's scaled that business will become the, a thing unto itself. You will become a titled position that serves the mm. business the way that it needs a CEO to serve it. Not it won't it won't solely be your desires anymore. It'll be the mm. it'll be what the market requires of this company to produce its value and the role it needs in a CEO COO. And you've got to take on the job or not. That's you have mm -hmm. to hire yourself or fire yourself kind of thing. Yeah, or you just there's some point you don't get to grow. You can't go big enough if you just don't do that. Right. Makes sense. So, you become the self-limiting factor. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Which is why Gino wrote this book. Right. That probably happened to him. Right. I don't know. He probably or he observed it. So yeah. tell us how you tell us how you because you mentioned you've got a leadership team of five now mm -hmm. and you worked your way towards that. How do you and Julie split that up? How does it work? Not that it's a prototype for everybody else, but just how did right. you migrate to five and what, how do you split it and how do people report so that folks yeah. can get an idea? Yeah. Yeah. I think what, um, so I think you don't add three at one time. You might add one or two and you start seeing, you start to see sections or departments or silos in your business that really are huge drivers of the value. And so, uh -huh. you know, the, the accountability chart is, um, uh, it's the visionary, the integrators under the visionary and the okay. all things flow through the integrator. So Julie really oversees all processes team. She has all guidance and, and foresight into that. I do. I do, too. But it's never without her because it, it goes the other way too. every team movement process change goes through the integrator to the visionary. And that's how that's how this model works. And anything where a team goes directly to me, that's called an end around, right? An in run. Yeah. Um, and that what do you, those what are do you do with those? What do you do with those? Well, it, mo <laughs> most of the time, uh, I'm the one causing them. 
And that's okay, so probably you, true. You, inter, you intervene or mess around somewhere. Yeah, I go, okay. oh, my God, this is a great idea. I posted in our online chat system, go team. And they're like super confused. They're like, this is not how we do it. Uh, Julie always is the one guiding us and leading us. J- Jason's normally with him. We know it was probably his idea, but yep. she's the one leading and guiding. And so where's Julie? Um, it, in the right setup, they're asking, where is my integrator? Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you haven't made those systems clear to your team, which you do, if you put traction in place, you have to tell your team. And you, they even have books for teams to read called What the Heck is EOS? That's mm-hmm. the name of the book for the team. It's like, you know, first grade elementary book mm-hmm. to teach them, hey, this company's working within a system uh, and we're following a system. And so if if the if the team knows there's a system in place, they're going to note an in run from me. And our team would go to Julie and go, what is Jason doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what would happen to our team. And that does happen. I don't do it that much uh, because I know it devastates us and I don't want what it comes with. Mm-hmm. And so I don't do that stuff. So I pump everything through Julie, which is hard because I see how heavy the burden is on an integrator. And an in, if an integrator is listening, they know their job is super difficult. It's a lot of heavy burdens, a lot of heavy thoughts. They carry the weight of the world. Uh, they feel like the no person, right? They're the vetters. Yep. They're like, I think that's right, visionary. And all the visionary wants is a yes. Yep. So the integrator carries a, a pretty heavy load on them trying to, you know, trying to do their job. So um, so the, it's the structure that you taught the team. So our team understands this structure and knew it before they became a leadership team. Um, so we started adding pieces. Uh, we added an operational piece first. A okay. team, a leadership team member. And that was only because the burden on Julie was just way too much. You know, we, we needed to peel off uh, the finances. We need to peel off the operations and the process tracking and documentation. We had to peel that off into another person. We started with a project manager is how we started uh, and then kind of pulled that person into a leadership team formally. Um, and then another big part of our firm is the technical piece in an accounting firm. There's a technical piece, right? The reviewer. Um, and so we brought that person into a leadership team that's just, you know, really good at tax and accounting and reviewing all that. So that person became a manager leader in right. uh, that time. And then the last move was last year where we added a client services manager. Now, this is one of our team that's been with us for 12 years and she's just she just knows how our firm runs. She knows how to do it the way our firm does it. And so she starts teaching team how to serve in the way that we do. She's the she gets the philosophy of how our firm operates. And so uh-huh. she onboards clients. She teaches new team uh, when they're hired. She leads and reviews and still talks to them about, you know, well, I would say it this way. Here's how to lead a meeting. Um, that kind of stuff. So that was the third leg of the leadership team we needed. There's an operational leg, a technical leg, and then a service-based leg. And they all report through Julie. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, how does that square with an open door policy? Is Do you have an open door policy? Yes. Yeah, that's sort and- of a, that's a classic management kind of thing that you know we weave in and out of leadership and management. You can comment on that too. What's the difference? But but do people feel like they work for you or do they feel like they work for Julie or both? Or how's that work? 
Yeah, they they would probably all say they work for both of us because uh, we're always together. Mm. Um, so there's there. OK, there are some. OK, when decisions have been made by Julie and I, then they 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 roll out to the team. Mm-hmm. Julie is leading the team. Her and the team are, are together. OK, a lot. She was in a meeting hour and a half today the weekly download of operations to the operational manager person. Uh, I wasn't in that meeting um, because she and I had already made all those decisions. So she's just pushing them through the team and she's better at that anyway than I am. So, but if there's any kind of leadership thing happening, a leadership team meeting, you know, we have that meeting every week. Mm -hmm. It's Julie and I leading our other three team uh, Mm -hmm. leadership team. Uh, So they, you know, and the open, you know, the open door policy is uh, what we call quarterly conversations. And that's, from, you know, uh, I think Gino's (laughs) component book, How to Be a Great Boss. Yes. Um, Another really good book, right? Yeah. That's a really, it's a basic book, but it's really, really good. That is a really good book about how to be a boss. I mean, (laughs) everybody should read that. There's something called quarterly conversations. So every quarter we meet with a team member. And that's the open door. It's like, this is the free for all meeting. You get to say anything you want to Julie and I um, with no ramification um, for what you're saying. What are you struggling with? How can we help you? What are we doing that you're assuming we we don't, we're not telling the team? How can we divulge information? And what that does is it creates this really depth of safety for the team. Um, they know they always get their quarterly conversation or they can meet with Julie anytime they they need us. Um, but we're, you know, to, to build a leadership team and to have it grow a company, you also push them through their leadership team. You say, no, nope, that goes through the leadership team because now the leadership team is under Julie and now the leadership team leads and cares for the team. They go to the leadership team now, which is so, how you offload the responsibilities and spread it around so you can keep growing. Yeah. So if they come to you with something that would be an open door concern your reaction might be to say, Hey, I'm glad to hear this from you, but you need to roll that back through your manager to Julie. And, and I support you in that. Is that sort of how you handle it? Yeah. It depends on what it is. Yeah. If it's, if it certainly is um, revenue generating type issues and problems, we'll, we'll always want that going through the leadership team. However, it may be something really bad's happened and with a client, we're going to lose a client because of some mistake we made. Julie and I are just going to be fully involved in that process. Um, right. You're, you know, you're going to both jump on do. that right away. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. Now, so we'll always be listening to the team. And if they're going, I'm struggling with working here. I don't like it here anymore. Well, we're going to have them come to Julie and I on that because our leadership team does not do any HR related anything. Hiring, firing. Those are those are things we did not give to them. OK. Uh, and it's because we're a team of 11. We're small. Okay, And so Julie and I kept that on our plate. We don't have to offload that yet because it's such an intimate move. Right. We just, you know, that's a, that's a next step if we kept growing. Right. And it okay. would be so another H- thing we'd have to learn. Do, do you think that when you get to 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there, headcount, is that when HR starts to become something you peel off as the next thing or you outsource um, think- part of it or? I think it, yeah, I think it's a little bit bigger a lot of times in the structures. And and you're right, Doug, there are team ranges. You can start seeing things, you know, 
eight to 10, you're going to need, the owners aren't going to be able to pull off the care of that kind of team, or maybe, maybe even smaller, uh, you know, six to eight, you're going to start needing to offload some leadership movement responsibilities to other people. You start getting 10 to 12. That's when you're offloading, you know, your operations, uh, you know, you're getting up into 20. That's when you might need a f- more formal HR person because right. there's so many teams. You just cannot address all of the HR needs of that team. Uh, and I think business development and sales is even later than that. Okay. Uh, it's you're even getting much larger. Cause, so I'll keep that on my plate for quite a while. That's an issue Julie and I have talked a lot about, you know, okay. me wanting to get help with business development and sales. And she's like, Nobody can sell like you. So that ain't happening. <laughs> so, well, and, and I observe that in most of the visionaries I work with, they really mm-hmm. are the best salesperson for the they company. They are. Yep. That's true. And you, it's just true. Right. It's because it's your heart and soul. And that's right. You, usually you're a natural communicator in your industry. And, yep. you know, that's just the way it is. So, yeah. So let's, hard, go, yeah. let's go down that path for a few minutes. Um, growing your. CPA client base and growing your thrival community of other CPAs that you can Mm -hmm. help influence what what's working, what's been working, what do you think could work during crisis and what do you think it's going to look like after crisis? What kind of strategies and thoughts are in your mind? Yeah. Wow. So we're, we're kind of just into this, you know, this crisis. So it's hard to say what's working. You know, the general thing, if a, if a market is a trusting market, it's a pretty normal market. You know, there's no pandemic layer on top of it, freaking everybody yep. out. Now you can do marketing stuff. You can post on social media. You can do, uh, you know, you can create videos and content. We have podcasts, too. You can, you, you can leverage those for marketing. Um, when you take a market and you freak them out and you scare them by putting a pandemic in it, it things kind of flip around and go backwards a little bit. So um, we're kind of in the middle of learning how to help our clients figure out how to, how to, how to do this now. And we're kind of learning it too. And so we're, we're seeing, you know, some of the strategies right now are just to safely come out of this pandemic uh, with your business intact, uh, probably your best team still with you. You may not have your whole team. Right. Um, but this is it's less of growth strategy right now. And it's more of sustainability and staying in business, and right. which means it if that's the positioning. So it's a little less of market value, penetrating a market, blah, 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 all those things you want to do in growth periods. Now it's stay in business, you know, learn how to cut costs without killing your company. Uh, stay around. You may you may have some hard decisions. You may lose clients, lose team. Those are things you need to consider doing and your services are no longer going to represent some of your strongest value uh, pitches. It's really going to be what produces cash. You need to produce cash to stay in business. And so what this is going to do and the struggle for a lot of people coming out of the pandemic to survive, you've got to do things you normally wouldn't. So you're going to have some bad habits and have taught team and clients wrong ways to serve. And you're going to have to deal with those later you may have to fire a bunch of clients you took just for cash flow. And, and so okay. we're just in a survival mode. So just we're just telling people, be aware going into this, you're going to have to do some things and, and move outside of what you normally would call your your super valuable services. Try to produce cash, uh, but you're going to probably create some wrong behaviors. You're going to take some wrong clients. 
that's okay for now, stay in business, but you'll have to do that work of undoing some of those wrong things later, probably. Right. So it's kind of what we're thinking. That, that, that resonates with me and, and a lot of other services, myself and others, we're emphasizing help first, just help people, help the clients, right? You got it. That's right. And if you're help, if you're helpful and if everybody gets through, okay, they may turn into a paying client on the other side. That's well, and that's, you know, firms, accounting firms right now are having to deal with this PPP paycheck protection program money that came out of the CARES Act. And really, you know, we lead a whole community of firms. They're not really able to charge for this stuff. It's definitely out of scope with their contracts, with their clients, but we're just all having to help people. Yep. And, you know, and, and I guess as a supposed thought leader, what we're having to do is we're doing a lot of webinars for, I mean, the Singapore market, South Africa, Estonia, Canada, the U S UK. I mean, we're doing, and all of this is really not stuff we're making money on. We're, we're trying to help and, and show ourselves as the helpers. Right. Really? Like, here's some advice to help you. We want everybody to stay in business so that later we can all do business together is, I guess, how we're approaching it. And it just it's just taking a lot of a lot of our time that we just don't have. And so we're having to give it to people to care for them. Is that affecting billings? Um, it is making. So at our size and the reason you do a leadership team is that the revenue production moves away from the owners down to the team. Right. Hopefully that's the goal. So the team is producing the revenue. So it really doesn't create an immediate revenue hit. What it does is it hits the sales pipeline. Ooh. Okay. Because that is all me and me and Julie. She kind of orchestrates a lot of that, the order behind the work and the selling I'm doing. So our pipeline is slower and smaller. Right. And that, a smaller pipeline now means you're going to struggle later. So (laughs) we're trying to correct that, but here we are trying to correct it in a market that's not buying stuff. Yeah, I know. So what it does affect is the pipeline and the selling and the leads for sure. And that's hard. Well, we just have to hope for the best on that, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's what else, what else you do, man? You're like, just keep, keep trying and reaching out. And so, we have the availability to do things like webinars. So we're just trying to do as many webinars for as many people as we can. Yep. So people can see us and hear about us. And that just has to be some sense of marketing for us right now. Do you think that's something that a, a lot of folks listening to this could pick up on? I mean, could they start using webinars now? Cause everybody's used to being on zoom or teams or yeah. go to meeting or whatever. Yeah. Well, it just depends. A webinar you know, a webinar is really not going to be valuable unless a bunch of people will come. Okay. So we, we can do that and we have you got markets. A community, you got a community, right? You can reach yeah. out to that community. Yeah. And, and we've been niched in the firm in the creative digital design and marketing agency for over a decade there too. So people know who we are there. So okay. we can reach out to design communities and lead webinars for the design community. And then they bring their community to the webinar. So, Got it. Or, or if, but if people won't come to a webinar, if they don't know who you are, that might not be a thing you, everybody okay, can right, do. Right. Really. Right. But a I was webinar thinking of something, it, Yeah. I was thinking of it more of in client or customer care. Like if there was, Oh yeah. You know, something you could share of value to more than one person, you could create a round table or, 
you know, For whatever sure. a digital roundtable and help spread that information. Well, you, you know, that's a great, that's actually, you know, for our community. So this is the thrival community of firms yeah. who have joined our community. We are doing exactly what you said, Doug. We're doing roundtables uh, for that community. Yeah. You know, and so they are coming to roundtable. Now, those are not for the public. They're only no. internal for our community. And so, yeah, we're and that's a webinar type setup. And, you know, 40 or 50 people will come and we'll just like hang out and go, what are y'all struggling with? Right. Issue solving with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. Come back around to sort of the bigger thoughts. You and you've told us about your journey with Julia, which is, I think, very valuable for people to hear. If you could boil it down to sort of and avoid this crisis now, just pull back to the big picture. If you could suggest one most important tip to a business owner that's at that sort of eight, 10 employees looking at a leadership team, you know, heading forward. If you could go back and have a do-over, what what tips would you give them? One or two top things as they are on the verge of building their leadership team. Yeah. Um, if the thing I'm about to say, anybody who's been through some events that Julie and I lead, they they've always wanted this on t-shirts or mugs, but it was <laughs> it was it was years ago. It's something Julie said to me that flipped me out, really upset me when she first became a partner. She said, do you want to grow? And I did want to grow. And she said, do you want what that means? Uh, and even recently, she's been asking me that. Because uh, yeah. we're, you know, we're in the middle of a, a very stressful time. She's yeah. like, do you want what this means? And and the defining the, I didn't know what she meant at first. Uh, and when I found out what it meant, it was really scary because what it faced me with was a decision point. And that decision point was, Wanting growth is not the same thing as achieving growth. Uh, if you want to grow, that's going to mean things. It means certain sacrifices. It means giving up things. It means getting things. Yeah. Do you want whatever it means in your life to do this thing? And so that that was a decision point for me. And it's still a hard thing that I go through when we bump into hard things is, do you want what this means? That basically to mean to me means you're going to have to give up this dream of utopia or some hope that you thought this was going to be, that it's certainly not going to be. And are you ready to make that commitment now for the rest of your life? And that's some big stuff, man, to say mm -hmm. to somebody. And so I think visionaries need to be faced with that. It's a mental heart struggle. Um, now, you, what's on the other side of that is a really, it's a beautiful thing, mm -hmm. um, but you'll kind of go through a little bit of struggle, maybe a lot of struggle to realize that it's not going to be what you wanted it to be. You do get growth, but you don't really get to define it if you want what you're telling me you want. And so that's the thing I would, I would always, and we ask people this all the time in the events we lead. We're like, and they're, they're saying, I'm going to do this. We're like, do you want what that means? And they're like, mm -hmm. what do you mean? Well, here's five things that's probably going to ask of you, your family, your time, uh, mm. your thoughts, your, <laughs> do you want to, are you ready for all of that? And so do you want what it means is, is a better question than do you want that? Yeah. Do you, do you want, want what that it means? The first mm. question, do you want what it means? Cause it's not always what you signed up for, 
but you do get it, but it's going to be what it is, not necessarily how you design it to be. So that's, that's a, that's a door I think everybody needs to walk through. It's really a decision of growth. Okay. I'm ready. I'm going to walk through the door and I'm going to close it behind me and I'm going to lock the door. And that's scary for people. It is. What's for me? Well, that's that's powerful stuff. Yeah. Um, And and thanks for telling us. I I mean, it sounds like you're on a journey and this (laughs) journey, this journey is going to continue, right? You haven't reached an end. No, that's powerful. I mean, well, I mean, even to make that commitment even deeper, we, we publicly tell people often, Julie and I, we say, Julie and I are going to do this forever. So if, if you need us, we're going to be here because we're going to keep doing this. And so, you know, and even people struggle hearing that they're like, you can't say that forever. And yeah, we can. And we're going to say it out loud. It's, it's kind of make, it's putting our feet in concrete when we say it. Right. Yes. And it's helping us keep our commitments, but we are, we're going to do this forever. So we'll be around way after a lot of people have failed because we're going to keep doing it in whatever sense we're going to do it. So. Tell us again a little bit more about your ideal client profile for Blummer CPAs. What does that look like? Okay. Who you guys serve? Yeah. So we serve a creative digital um, marketing agency group. And it it, smarted, it started as smaller, uh, maybe freelancers or just smaller agencies. But we've built a kind of team structure that serves a certain value of the market, which is People who need kind of an outsourced controller and trusted advisor. Um, but we just have a handful of clients, right, in the 20s. It needs to be in the 30s. Um, so, you know, eight to 10 more is okay. what we need this year, uh, really, um, which that's what we're, we're working on. But basically, uh, uh, they come in, outsource all of that accounting, tax, payroll, everything to our team. And it, they get a three-person team in return. They get... Uh, they get a customer ally, which is that technical person that leads the relationship, and they get an accounting specialist and then a project manager type person, which is our operations manager. They're always there. So it's really three people leading that client service. And right. it, that's because we're doing so many things. You, we had to split up who's doing what and kind of sh- offload some of those responsibilities and share those responsibilities among among that team. Um, and so what you, what you have to find is a client that needs a high value relationship like that. And then often Julie and I will be coaching and consulting the owners to help them grow and sometimes put in leadership teams. And so you need people that are going to make a pretty heavy financial commitment to you, a time commitment. They have to designate really somebody on their end. That's our lead person that we'll meet with on a weekly basis and not all okay. of our clients are like this, but that's a pretty strong, high value, sweet spot for us um, that so, will that will serve. So if people self-identify, where where can they find information about that? Yeah. So, yeah, just go to Blummer CPAs, B-L-U-M-E-R-C-P-A-S dot com. And there's a place to, um, you know, become a client and they can just fill out that and, form and, and it'll walk them through a process. And you could serve somebody nationwide, no physical limit, right? That's right. Yeah, we're fully virtual. So we have clients, you know, all over the U.S. Perfect. So switch to Thrival Community. Talk about who that serves. Yeah. So they, uh, we serve uh, an entre- entrepreneurially minded accounting firm owner. And those members can be, you know, have some in South Africa, the U.S., Canada, 
so they can be really all over the world. Now we don't have the many speaking world. Yep. You got it. Yeah. Now um, we, most everybody is in Canada and the U S so we don't, uh, we don't have too many struggles with time zones, mm-hmm. but we are starting to have time zone uh, issues. So this is really uh, an entrepreneurial CPA firm owner or not necessarily even a CPA firm owner, just an accounting firm owner that is a visionary type person. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be. A lot of them are integrators, but they want to grow. They want to figure out how to do this and they want to be led and they want to go through education and uh, go through events where they're, you know, they're asked to do things and participate in leading uh, or, you know, participate in educational type type functions. We have groups that meet online every month for a year going through particular uh, components to help them grow. And, right. you know, it, there are some basic groups and advanced groups they go through and then they meet together internally inside of our community in teams of eight or 10 every month, led by one of our coaches, John Lockhorst. Who, who does kind of a mastermind type monthly group and leads them through an agenda. Um, and that's Very just cool. to keep everybody closed. So, so it's really people who want to grow and, and know they kind of need help and they, they want to be with a creative, innovative community that they can, that can inspire them and, you know, spurn them on to greater things. Excellent. And where do folks find out about that? So they can go to thrival.com and then slash apply and you can apply to be a member. And, and then we walk them through the process over there. Excellent. Well, good. Folks, check it out. Jason Scott and his team have some great stuff going. And Jason, I want to thank you for being an amazing guest today. You well, shared you. insights that folk, I believe folks can really leverage. So thank sure. you for that. And I sure. wish you the best as we come through COVID-19 and come out on the other side. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Doug, for, for having me and for, for putting out this content. It's so valuable for people. And uh, it's weird being on the other side of a microphone when you you just have no clue who's hearing you and listening to you. You're just in your, <laughs> Isn't it? your, your bedroom or your room going, I mean, I'm staring at a computer screen. Is anybody out there? And, you know, people, exactly. people do hear and do listen. So thank you for committing the time to, well, for this thanks knowledge. for your time and thanks for your time and thanks for paying it forward. And I, trust people will get value and i look forward to staying in touch with you okay well thank you so much doug thanks for having me on the podcast the go for growth podcast is sponsored by resources for ceos we help overworked business owners take back control of their time build a team-driven company and multiply profits get your free copy of how to get what you want from your business at resources for ceos.com slash guide